Thank you for joining us on today's podcast of Making a Difference Through Mentorship. Today's topic or theme is a kingdom mindset. In today's podcast, we want to talk about what it means for us to have a kingdom mindset. When we talk about a kingdom mindset, there are at least four elements that must exist. Number one, there must be a king. Number two, there must be subjects over whom the king rules. Number three, there must be laws and ordinances by which the king rules or governs his subjects. And there must be a realm or territory over which the king rules. Revelation 19 and 16 further declares that Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. To have a kingdom mindset begins with the fact that Jesus as our king governs, rules, and reigns over our lives, which really means our hearts, our minds, and our will. This is his realm or territory by creation. The psalmist told, tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they who dwell therein. That's you and me. In Luke chapter 17, the Pharisees or the religious leaders asked Jesus a question. When would the kingdom of God come? Jesus answered in the Amplified Version, uh, verses 20 through 21, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. Verse 21, nor will people say, look, here it is, or see, it's there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And I love the Amplified Version for this. He says, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you, in your hearts and among you, surrounding you. The kingdom of God is not going to be seen in our church buildings for modern day application. It's not going to be seen in Los Angeles or Dallas or New York by a monument made of stone or by some tremendously impressive architectural design. No, Jesus was saying that the kingdom does not and has not come with signs or visible display. But Jesus is saying that the kingdom will be seen within the hearts and lives of us as his people. The word heart in both the Old Testament and New Testament is synonymous with a person's character and the way that we think or our mindset. Therefore, as servants of our king, people ought to be able to read our lives and see the heart of the king, the character of the king established in our hearts and lives reflected in our service unto all that we uh, encounter or come across as servants of the king. This was Jesus' mindset concerning the kingdom. When we talk about a mindset, we can simply define it as a mind that is set on what the mind believes. Our mindset may be defined as our collection of thoughts and beliefs that shape our thought habits, and our thought habits affect how we think, what we feel, and what we do. Our mindset further impacts how we make sense of the world and ourselves. So in the Passion Translation of uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 15, we find that the scripture says, when they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man sitting there properly clothed and in his right mind. Seeing what had happened to the man who had thousands of demons, the people were terrified. The only world that this demonized man knew was a world of isolation, death, and destruction. He lived in the tombs amongst dead things. Day in and day out, he could be heard in the tombs shrieking and crying out, cutting himself. It was a world of isolation, death, and destruction because of not being in his right mind. 
His mindset was only set on isolation, death and destruction. That was all that this man knew. And the scripture says that the people were terrified at the power that Jesus possessed by restoring this man to his right mind or a sane mind. Yet I submit that this demonized man was also or had also been terrified, traumatized and victimized due to his life circumstances in the tombs and by demonic oppression and assault. Our generation will never forget the acts of violence and terrorism committed on January 6th at our nation's capital. And yet there are other acts of violence that are happening daily, according to a recent study by the University of Texas at Austin School of Social Work. This study states that Texas reportedly ranks first in the nation for active human trafficking cases or modern day slavery. This study goes on to say that there are an estimated 313,000 victims of modern day slavery or human trafficking in the state of Texas alone. In addition, the study further states that there are approximately 79,000 minor and youth victims of sex trafficking in Texas, where the numbers have actually increased during this pandemic. And what we understand from the law of enforcement officials and those that are involved in this study is that many of these children are orphans or those that have been found on the streets. And yet, if these numbers are correct, it's terrorizing to think that almost 400,000 men and women, including teens and children, are going to bed and waking up in the morning victims of terror and violence right here in the state of Texas. The military, many of our listeners are uh, veterans and have served in the military and are currently serving in the military. The military has had significant challenges in the past several years, but it's really not anything new, particularly when we think of the murder of Vanessa Gillian in April of 2020. It has been said that elephants never forget. Our problem as human, human beings is that we forget too quickly. In 2002, in a six-week time frame, Four wives of soldiers at Fort Bragg were murdered. Each death is blamed on the husband. Two of the soldiers that killed their wives then killed themselves as well. According to a USA Today report dated October 1st, 2020, the suicide rate among active duty troops increased to a six-year high, which according to the Pentagon is about 26 soldiers per 100,000 for veterans or retirees. The suicide rate, according to the latest Veterans Affairs report, is about 17 suicides a day. This is the reality of the mystery and tragedy of human behavior, conduct, and actions rooted, rooted in the way that a person thinks or not being in their right mind. The question then becomes, how do we help to restore people to their right minds that is established in a kingdom mindset? Paul gives us the answer in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. He tells us, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't think like the world thinks, but be transformed. The word transform means metamorphosis. It actually carries further, a further meaning of character. Be transformed by your character, the way that you think. Be transformed by the renewing. How often do we need our minds renewed? We need our minds renewed every time there's a negative experience or a negative thought that enters onto the battlefield of our minds. And so because there is a constant battle in our minds, Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. 
Don't think that you cannot be impacted by these negative thoughts or negative experiences. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but think soberly. The word soberly actually means balanced and sane. There is a great deal of insanity in the minds of humanity planted there by the mind blinder of 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. Paul tells us that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. And so our assignment with the kingdom mindset as the people of God is to help others to realign their minds, realign their minds with the kingdom agenda, knowing that the kingdom of God is within each one of us. Neuroscientists and neuropsychologists tell us that we have anywhere from 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, and half of them are negative. If we take, let's say, the 60,000 thoughts a day and multiply them by 30 days, that equals 1,800,000 thoughts, which equals potentially to 900,000 negative thoughts every day, every 30 days. And you don't have to be a negative person to have negative thoughts. These negative thoughts, the science tells us, has three categories. Negative thoughts about self, negative thoughts about our world, our society, and negative thoughts about the future. All we have to do is look at the six o'clock news or pick up today's paper and see the negative thoughts, the negative experience that are occurring in our world and the negative thoughts about the future. Pessimism seeks to rise above optimism, but not in a kingdom mindset. Therefore, another question arises for us concerning these negative thoughts. What steps can we personally take to detox our minds from these negative thoughts about ourselves, our current national challenges in the future that keeps us from walking through life with a kingdom mindset? As we have suggested in a previous podcast, the answer is taking the spiritual and making it practical so that it's natural for us to live spiritual. We are not human beings having a spiritual encounter, but rather we are spiritual beings having a human encounter. So Paul says first natural, then spiritual. As the people of God, we practice spiritual concepts by praying, by studying and reading the word of God. But it is the natural aspect of our existence that we may not be as well acquainted with. Therefore, we must understand we are not human beings having a spiritual encounter, but rather we are spiritual beings having a human encounter. And you and I are designer originals. There's nobody like you anywhere in the world. Your voice pattern, your fingerprints, and your personality was all in God's plan as he shaped you in your mother's womb. And although we have unique and distinct personalities, our personality must be submitted to God's sovereignty. Our personality is a part of 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 that declares we are spirit, soul, and body. Our personality is connected to our soul, which is our emotions, our intellect, the way that we think, and our will. Psychologists define personality as individual differences and characteristic patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving. Some of us are outgoing. Some are shy and reserved. And that's all a part of our unique personalities. Yet when our personality is submitted to God's sovereignty, we experience the reality of God's protection of Psalm 91. He that abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him 
will I trust? And why is the umbrella or the canopy of God's protection necessary in our lives? Because our wrestle, our fight in the world and society in which we live today is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, spiritual wickedness and principalities, demonic forces that desire to govern our personalities with the goal and desire to distract us from possessing a kingdom mindset on the battlefield of our minds. The devil's strategy has always been divide and conquer. We see it in the garden with Adam and Eve, and we see it with Cain and Abel. His only desire was to divide Adam and Eve from God's will from their lives, and he successfully did so. And we see it being passed down through Adam and Eve to their uh, sons, Cain and Abel, where because of this divide and conquer strategy, Cain kills his own brother. And this strategy by the devil has followed or has been passed down through the DNA of humanity because the devil's aim and goal is to distract us from what attracts us, which is the will of God. A kingdom mindset shaped and molded by Jesus as our king gives us the ability to overcome the conflict within, as noted in the life of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. If anybody desired to have a kingdom mindset, I would submit to you it was the Apostle Paul. We know Paul's story. Paul was one that was breathing out threats and murders against the people of God, locking them up, incarcerating them. Because Paul was religious, Saul was religious, but did not have a relationship with God. And so Saul had to be knocked down from his pride or from his mindset of superiority to uh, where God said, I'm going to send you down to straight street. You need to be straightened out. So God says to Ananias, I'm sending him down to straight street. And there the scales were removed from his eyes. It was there that Saul became Paul and, and began to obtain a kingdom mindset to the point that he is the writer of 14 of our 27 New Testament books. Yet like all of us, this servant leader called and appointed by God acknowledged his conflict within. In the New Living Translation of Romans 7, beginning at the 14th verse, Paul says, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do. What is right, I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. God's direction is good for me. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. Paul acknowledged that in verse 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature or my flesh. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, verse 20, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. Verse 21 in the New Living Translation, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Paul acknowledged this conflict within. Paul acknowledged that with all of his spiritual understanding and insight that God had given him, he had this thorn in his flesh 
to the extent in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he asked God, God, listen, I'm asking you to take this thorn out of my flesh. Why did Paul have this thorn? Because of the abundance of revelation, child of God, man and woman of God, the thorns in our flesh, the conflict within is due to the abundance of the revelation that God has given to us because his desire is for us to obtain and maintain a kingdom mindset. Therefore, the Amplified Version of Paul of Psalm 90 and 12 declares, Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may gain or get a heart of wisdom. This phrase, heart of wisdom, may be translated in the original Hebrew as to master the art of living or simply live our best life now. Tomorrow is not promised to us. The, the next hour is not promised to us. Moses and God's people in Psalm 90 and 12 were wandering in the wilderness when they should have been in the promised land. But because they did not obey and follow God's instructions and directions, they were wasting their lives wandering in the wilderness. Moses did not know how much longer he would be there to lead God's people. So he asked God to teach him and to teach his people to number our days so that we can master the art of living. The only way to master the art of living is to surrender to the master of the living, which is Jesus Christ, our King. The Apostle Paul, after his conversion experience on the road of Damascus, where God sent him down to Ananias' house on Straight Street and the scales were removed from his eyes. This is all a portion of Paul's journey to mastering the art of living, even though he had a thorn in his flesh. Paul acknowledged this, the hardships, the difficulties, the trauma and the drama that we encounter in life are all a part of learning to overcome the conflict within. So Paul says in Romans 7, 21, in the New Living Translation, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I find myself doing what is wrong, but I refuse to give in to the devil's strategy of divide and conquer because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And because I have this thorn in the flesh, my inability or me or the reality of acknowledging that in my flesh dwells no good thing, I recognize that I have more power than the enemy through Christ. So in the 25th verse of Romans chapter 7, he says, O wretched man that I am. He said the word wretched means miserable, in misery. Paul says, I'm miserable because of this thorn in my flesh. There's misery in my life. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul conquered the conflict within by acknowledging that it's only through Christ the King that we overcome our thorn in the flesh or that conflict within. Acknowledging and recognizing that the devil's only purpose is to rob, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob us of our peace. He wants to kill our dreams. He wants to destroy our faith and confidence in God. But Jesus provides us with a kingdom mindset when he declares, but I have come that you may have life and that more abundantly. When you don't get everything right, when you feel as though you've made a mistake or have failed, know that a kingdom mindset assures us of the fact that failure is never fatal, nor is it final. Because a just man or woman may fall down seven times, but gets back up again. Moses failed God 
and failed himself when he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Samson, the strongest man in the Bible, failed God and failed himself when he did not follow God's directions or instructions, nor his parents' instructions that were found in the word of God, the Torah, the five books of the law. Peter failed the Lord and failed himself when he denied Jesus three times in the garden. And as difficult and as challenging as it may be for us, all things, not some things, and the definition of all is the inclusion of everything to the exclusion of nothing. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This is a kingdom mindset because we know that the word of the Lord is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway. Where God guides, he always provides. I may not have gotten this right or that right. I may have fallen, but I am a just man or woman of God, and I'm getting back up again. This is a kingdom mindset for us as God's people to further and obtain and maintain a kingdom mindset. I want to also suggest the will principle as noted in Psalm 139 verse beginning at the 14th verse in the Living Bible. Considering the will principle, and we can define will in this context as the mental ability to be able to exercise one's choice or intention or course of action. One more time, the will, the will principle, we define it as the ability, the mental ability to be able to exercise, to think about our choice or intention or which course of action we're going to choose. As a man or woman of God determined to obtain and maintain a kingdom mindset, it becomes a matter of our will, our choice to reflect upon, believe and receive truth that transforms. So David says in Psalm 139, thank you in the living Bible. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion in my mother's womb. Verse 16, you saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. Verse 17, how precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. This is a kingdom mindset. I can't, David says, I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still thinking of me. You and I are a portion of the will of God. Your very existence in the earth is proof of an aspect of God's will for humanity and for your family. Without you, your family won't make it. Without you, a portion of God's will for your wife, for your husband, for your sons and your daughters, for your children and your grandchildren, without you, a portion of God's will is erased because you are the solution to their problems and the answer to their prayers. Yes, there may be tears that you have cried. Yes, there may be heartache and heartbreak. Every family has its own dysfunction, but because you have a kingdom mindset, with backup, the power of God operating in you and through you, thinking like God thinks with a kingdom mindset, your influence in your family, your influence in the workplace is designed to change the atmosphere. <laughs> this is why God scheduled each day of your life before you began to breathe. And every day 
was recorded in his book, a symbol of his will, because he knew the plans that he has for you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you hope and an expected end. Because wherever you go and whoever you interact with, when you show up with a kingdom mindset, God himself shows up. Some of you may recall there was a scene in the movie Batman Begins that debuted in June of 2005. When Batman and Jim Gordon were surrounded by the police, Batman pulls out a transmitter, activates the signal. Then all of a sudden, Gordon asks Batman, what is that noise? And Batman says, it's back up. It's back up, child of God. When a kingdom mindset, whatever atmosphere, situation, or circumstance you walk into, when you walk into the room, you're walking into the room with backup because the Holy Ghost, the power of the kingdom of God is within you. Therefore, David says in the New Century Version of Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and the one who saves me. So why should I fear anyone? The Lord protects my life. So why should I be afraid? Evil people may try to destroy my body. My enemies and those who hate me attack me, but they are overwhelmed and defeated. If an army surrounds me, I will not be afraid. If war breaks out, I will trust the Lord. This is a kingdom mindset. Negative thoughts about self, negative thoughts about the future only lead to discouragement, depression, and suicidal ideations. Moses, the man of God who talked with God face to face in Numbers chapter 11 in the 15th verse, because he's frustrated and disillusioned. He's saying to God in Numbers 11 and 15, if this is the way it's going to be, God, with me leading your people, then God, kill me. Just do me a favor. Kill me now. Moses was frustrated. He was disillusioned because of the whining and the crying, the fussing and the fighting, the arguing and and, and, and uncooperation amongst the people of God. But God says, Moses, I know what you're going through. Don't worry about it. I want you to meet me at church. Look out amongst you and choose 70 that you know to be leaders and have them stand there with you that you may not bear this burden alone. It was, God, it was never God's intent for a pastor, for a leader to have to bear the burden of ministry by him or herself. So God says, you look out, you choose them and you choose 70 and the spirit that's on you, Moses, I'm going to take and put a portion of it on them that they may bear the burden of the load with you. Not in a negative sense, burden, not being a negative sense, but being a blessing because we as the people of God, chosen and elected, selected and elected, equipped and qualified, we get to stand together with our pastors bearing the load of ministry. Negative thoughts and negative um, experiences, as in the case of Elisha, the man of God in 1 Kings chapter 19, after he had defeated 450 false prophets, after he had called down fire from heaven, sat under a juniper tree with suicidal ideations because of the threat of Jezebel. See, the reality of the stress, struggle, and strain, the realities of life, that Moses and Elisha experienced in their service to the Lord, they, just like you and me, have the potential to do or to lose sight of the fact that God is Elroy, the God who sees and watches over you and me. Moses and Elisha, just like you and me, have the potential to lose sight that he is El Shaddai, 
the all-sufficient one that meets all the needs of his people. They, like you and I, have the potential to do, to lose sight of the fact that he is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our the Lord our provider. They lost sight of the fact that he is Jehovah Shalom, the, go, the Lord God our peace. They lost sight of the fact that he's Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. The hosts of the heaven's armies are under the command of God. They lost sight of the fact that he's Jehovah Shammah, the Lord our God, who is a present help in our time of trouble. They, like you and I, have the potential to do or to lose sight of the fact that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Therefore, a kingdom mindset is rehearsing or rehearing, knowing and having a confident trust in God's character and nature that as a matter of fact, no matter what you and I have encountered in the past, no matter what we will encounter on today, in our present or in our future, Jesus is still King of kings and Lord of lords, and you and I must have a kingdom mindset because we are servants of the king. So David says in Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. David then rhetorically asks, who is this king of glory? And then David answers his own question. He's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Then he says it again. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. He asks again rhetorically, who is this king of glory? And answers the question from his own life experiences. As he drew on the warehouse of experiences in his mind, David answered the question, he is the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Now, Selah, pause, ponder, think about this, who God is. He is the king of glory. And when we lift up our heads from the, uh, from being drawn down by this world's everyday gravity of negativity, lift up your head, child of God. Lift up your head, man and woman of God, because we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. So when we lift up our heads, it's in parallel. No, it's parallels. Or as we know uh, from Proverbs 23 and 7, as a man or woman thinks in their heart, that's who we really are. As we have shared in a previous podcast, the heart and the mind are synonymous, carrying the same meaning that points to a person's character or what makes us who we really are. So God says to Jeremiah in the 18th chapter in the New International Version, go down to the potter's house and there I'm going to give you a message. Hallelujah. When Jeremiah gets to the potter's house, he sees the potter shaping the clay. But the clay, the Bible says, was marred in the potter's hand. The word marred in the original Hebrew carries the meaning of corrupted, ruined, or destroyed. But verse 4 of Jeremiah 18 says, The clay that was marred in the hands of the potter, the potter shaped and made it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. The pain that you feel is the pain that God can heal as our potter. There have been times in life in ministry that have marred us, that have scarred us, intended to ruin or destroy us. But Jesus, our king, as the potter, has never taken his hands off of our lives. And he is even today shaping us, making us into another vessel, giving us, granting us a kingdom mindset. 
Because as a man or woman thinks, that is what's shaping us, making us into who we really are. Serving the Lord our God is the state of our heart or character that is tested daily. Our actions are simply an expression of our character or the way that we think that influences our emotions, that further influences our behavior and conduct. Moses and Elijah were discouraged and depressed because of the reality of life's experiences or circumstances while serving the Lord. You and I are not exempt from the discouragement from the plots, ploys, and plans of the enemy. Discouragement and depression are symbols and signs of darkness imparted into the mind by the father of lies, the great deceiver, the mind blinder of 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, the devil Satan himself. Because of the stress, struggle, and strain, the reality of dark times in their lives, Moses and Elisha, and to an extent we must acknowledge you and I as well, lost sight of the character and nature of God because they were temporarily in the dark. And by no means am I being critical of these two giants in the faith, but they also did not have John's gospel, but you and I do. So Jesus says in John 8 and 12 in the New International Version, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus, you mean I never have to walk in darkness ever again in my life as I follow you? That's an absolute, my brothers and sisters. That's an absolute truth because Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Whoever follows me, Jesus says, will never walk in darkness because old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I am the light of the world and you, man and woman of God, will never have to walk in darkness as we follow the light of life because we have the light of life, Jesus, as our king. This is a kingdom mindset and you and I, because Jesus as our king, thinking with a kingdom mindset, you and I can reverse the influence of discouragement, depression, poor or low self-esteem, helplessness and hopelessness, anger and frustration, sadness and loneliness, irritation and vexation of the mind. All of these negative thoughts and emotions are subject to our king's sovereign rule and reign because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. A kingdom mindset realigns a person's mind that even in dark, difficult times, a kingdom mindset is a mind that is realigned to hope and healing, encouraging all that we meet to lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord God, strong and mighty and battle. And because we have a kingdom mindset, the Lord God will fight our battles. That's what he told Jehoshaphat. He told him to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he said, stand still. You won't have to fight in this battle. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord because the king of glory will fight all of our battles. So as we come to a conclusion of today's podcast, know this man and woman of God. To have a kingdom mindset, there must be a king. 
We are his subjects over whom he rules and reigns. We submit our personalities to his sovereignty. There must be laws and ordinances. We abide by the instructions and directions of the word of the Lord. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. There are 66 books that guide, govern, and direct our lives. So lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up. Because he is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace and the increase of his government, his rule and his reign, there shall be no end. And his rule, his reign, his territory is our hearts, our minds, our intellect, our will. And so as we conclude today in the Passion Translation of Revelation chapter 3 verses 20 and 21, Jesus says, behold, the word behold means open up your eyes. Helen Keller, a blind philanthropist, many of you are aware of her work in the with four presidents. Helen Keller once stated the greatest tragedy in the world is to have sight and not be able to see. So Jesus says, behold, open up your eyes. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart, remember heart is synonymous with character. If your character is open to hear my voice, that which makes you who you are, the way that you think, if your heart, the way you think is open to hear my voice and you open the door within internally, that which makes you who you are, your character. Jesus says, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. And verse 21, the Passion Translation, and to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. The Message Translation of Revelations 3 and 21 declares, look at me. We got to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm not looking to Capitol Hill. I'm looking to the hills which, from which cometh my help, knowing that all of my help, all of our help comes from the Lord. So Jesus says, look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. We're going to dine. We're going to feast together. Because conquerors, the message translation, conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table, just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. Here's the last portion of that verse in the message translation. That's my gift to the conquerors. As kingdom-minded servants of the Lord our God, Jesus Christ, who is our king, we have been given a great gift. And that is the gift of being conquerors, conquerors of our fears, conquerors of any negative thoughts or emotions, conquerors over what we sometimes think about ourselves and what others may have done to us or what others may think about us. Because Jesus said, the one who conquers, I give the privilege of sitting with me on his throne. The people paying pressure and problems of life do not have to rule over us with a kingdom mindset. 
We rule and reign with Christ, not in some things, but in everything to the glory of God, not just in heaven, but here on the earth, because we are more than conquerors. My prayer is that as you have listened to today's podcast, that there are principles and precepts that you have heard that you can apply to your life and to your ministry, helping others to obtain and maintain a kingdom mindset, a mind that is set on our King, Jesus Christ, fulfilling the promise of the amplified version of Isaiah 26 and 3, where the Bible says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, O Lord, leans on you and hopes confidently in you. This is a kingdom mindset.